Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey, good morning. It is Thursday, April 13th. It is six minutes after nine, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Okay, so I just want to get this out there. We've got a gajillion things to get to today, and I'm getting this. Are you doing Biden math again with gajillion? (laughs) You know the thing, Casey. (laughs) But I'm getting this from all sorts of people, texts, emails, correspondence, about this video that has surfaced of local school administrators, superintendents, etc., admitting on camera here in central Indiana, yes, we are doing CRT, and yes, we are hiding it, manipulating, ducking and dodging so parents don't know what's actually going on. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure it's making the rounds on various social media. And I'm being asked by people, are you going to delve into this today? Because once again, Rob, you were completely right about what's going on. And people know that while I am loathe to take a victory lap, especially when it relates to radical leftism in the public education system, the answer is Tomorrow, mm-hmm. We're going to dive into it tomorrow because Casey, as I told one prominent member of the media, who shall remain nameless because I would not subject this person and end his or her career that they associate with me. As I told them, tomorrow, uh, told them just a moment ago, I am processing how best to take the victory lap mm-hmm. at this point. So if mm-hmm. you have not seen this video, it is unbelievable. It's like this undercover James O'Keefe Veritas type um, undercover operation where they've got cameras in and they're talking to these administrators and they're admitting, yeah, we do the CRT. And some of them are even admitting, yeah, we hide it. And so it's Central Indiana School Districts. It's unbelievable. Um, so we will get to that tomorrow. Well, we've seen them hide it. You've seen it. Of course. In Brownsburg. Of course. Just and rebranding I'm, the name. I, it's so upsetting as yet, I've not seen the Brownsburg superintendent on this video yet, and they totally missed out an opportunity to get him. But it, you're right. It's You're absolutely right. I mean, they admitted at the Brownsburg school board meeting when we caught them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they had the DEI officer, and that woman was a disaster. And the superintendent admitted she was a disaster. And yeah, okay, so we got rid of her, and it's not coming back. But now we're bringing it back, but it's the director of student learning. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's got DEI in there, but everybody's their own we're DEI. All we're DEI all DEI officers. officers. That's all every job has a DEI component to it. These people, these public school administrators, these school boards, the, the superintendents, they're all full of crap. They're pathological liars. They're sociopaths. And this is awesome that somebody caught these people on tape talking about the stuff that they're actually doing. Now, it won't change any minds because it's not that people that are in these positions, these administrators, these school board members, they're not sorry they're doing it. They'll be sorry they got caught, but they're not going to stop because they're wholly invested in the thing. So, yes, we will get to that tomorrow. Sounds good. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and Donald Trump is suing his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to the tune of $500 million. Trump is seeking damages from Cohen in a trial for compensatory, incidental, actual, and punitive losses. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with what's going on with Alvin Bragg and the Manhattan Grand Jury. This is a totally separate thing that Trump has decided to do. It is amazing how much money Michael Cohen was actually worth. Yes. (laughs) 
Uh, you were shocked by that, weren't you? At one point, Michael Cohen was worth $100 million. <laughs> he had a lot of money invested in taxi medallions. And in what? Taxi medallions. What the hell are those? It's the things that, on the taxi cabs in New York City, the medallions. They're worth a lot of money. And I'm sure with uh, Uber, he lost a lot of money because so of wait, that. So wait, like they put the things on the taxis? It's like a license. You oh, gotta have okay. it, right? Okay. So he clearly had a lot of them because he was worth at one point $100 million. Now he does have a penthouse that's worth about $9 million and he received it's being reported about $1.5 million for his book Disloyal that he released back in 2020. However, it's also being reported that he allegedly owes the IRS $1.4 million. No. And what does he have now? It varies depending on who you go with. I've heard everything from sixty-three million down to one million, but he does not have five hundred million in his back pocket to hand over to Trump. And he has said that his legal fees are costing him about a hundred thousand dollars a month. So, if you're paying lawyers a hundred thousand dollars a month, yeah, I could see where you would lose a lot of your net worth pretty quickly. Um. This is fascinating that Trump is going to do this because obviously a big part of any lawsuit is discovery. And you, I, hey, look, Trump has uh, big cojones to go through what he's going through right now and feel strongly enough and risk all the stuff that could come out in discovery and go, bring it on, brother. Mm-hmm. I, part of it looks like it goes, good on him. Yeah. Because well, Cohen has made a concerted effort to just try to destroy Donald Trump, which as someone's former attorney, that's got to be some sort of at least bordering on you would go, dude, you the isn't the the ter- attorney client privilege, privilege mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, isn't this guy? I mean, I'm not saying he's violating the law or committing an actual ethics violation, but I'm saying as an attorney, your job is to you get information on people and your job is to hold that information. Hold the secret, right. right. It, it, this sounds like another situation of an NDA agreement, a non-disclosure agreement. And it just keeps reminding me of that Seinfeld episode where he's saying about the reservations. And I know what a reservation is. No, the holding of the reservation is the most important part. And the non-disclosure is the most important part of the non-disclosure agreement. And this lawsuit accuses Cohen of violating his attorney-client relationship with Trump and revealing all of his confidences and spreading falsehoods in books, podcasts, and media appearances. All right, let's uh, skip over from Trump to Biden. Mm. Now, he's in, uh, was in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And... Casey, he took his kid with him. He did. Well, we announced that yesterday. Karine Jean-Pierre confirmed that on Air Force One that, yes, in fact, Hunter was on the trip. Hunter's not the only one. Biden took his sister Valerie with him. Val. Maybe that's who he was. Hey, pal, Val. Maybe that's who, when he was, remember when we won the uh, Hammer and Nigel Biden bracket madness? He was singing to her? It's happy with happy birthday, Val (laughs) Vitt. Would it really be that big of a stretch to think that Biden forgot who he was singing to? So he just sang to his sister instead? (laughs) Well, the thing is, though. Because she goes everywhere with him. Was she at this thing? Yes. Oh, at the 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 singing? Yeah. Possibly. That could be what it was. We've discovered something huge here. (laughs) But Biden is very proud 
He's very, very proud of Hunter. Let's play the audio so there's no saying they misinterpreted this. They're exaggerating. Here's the audio. The fact that I'm here with my sister, Valerie, and my younger son, Hunter Biden. Stand up, guys. I'm proud of you. Okay, so so Hunter Biden, we all have seen the laptop. Okay, let's not even talk about the speculation. We'll get to that in a second. We've all seen the laptop, mm-hmm. the drug using, the hookers, the the emails, mm-hmm. the shenanigans. I mean, you. I mean, this guy is a cesspool of the shenanigans with his brother's wife. I mean, you, the, this guy is a cesspool of crap and creep. And you are par- parading him out. I mean, it's one thing to say, look, I love my son. He's made a lot of mistakes and he needs help and we're going to get him help and we'll help him, you know, to the ends of the earth. That is every parent should do that, would do that, whatever. We're not talking about this. We're talking about unprovoked. You are bringing this dude. Mm-hmm. And that's what he is. He's a dude. He's a grown ass man in his 50s. You are bringing him on a trip with you and going out of your way to go. I am proud of this. I am proud. Stand up. Take a bow. All of your wonderful accomplishments. I'm so proud of you. Now, I have a theory on this. Yes. Because if you've seen any other videos of Joe Biden when he's been in Ireland, Hunter is running interference for him. Oh. When he can't handle questions mm-hmm. from the crowd, Hunter is the one who's directing him. You know, normally we have Joe Biden in that role. Yeah, that's true. But she didn't make this trip. Somebody had to go and direct the big guy. And who better? Than Hunter, the keeper of secrets. What does that say about the condition of Biden's inner circle if Hunter is your go-to guy? Hunter's the guy. At this point. Uh-huh. So he's going out of his way, and this is why it's all fair game. It's not some sick, druggy guy who needs help who we should feel bad for. Joe Biden's going out of his way to uh, continually showcase Hunter Biden. He knows what, at the very least, I mean, Joe Biden may not even know where he's at, but at the very least. Well, that's why Hunter's there. He, which could be the <laughs> issue. He knows what's on that laptop. Mm-hmm. It's not even in dispute. I mean, it was in dispute when they when they stymied it, when they stifled it to win an election. But it's not a dispute. That's Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. That's him with the guns and the crack and the hookers and the, every, I mean, not even getting into the business stuff, the corruption. And Joe Biden is saying, please look at this kid. Please be proud of him. Please applaud for him. He is totally 100% fair game. And it tells you everything you need to know about Joe Biden, that he is showcasing Hunter Biden. On an international stage, mind you, for the world to see. This isn't just a domestic thing. He's parading him around the world. I'm so proud of you. Stand up and take a bow. Let's applaud him. It is 17 minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. But wait, (laughs) when we talk about Joe Biden... There's more. He's still lying about it, traveling seventeen thousand miles with she. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that coming up from ninety three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob two hundred milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Two minutes after nine, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and taking a look at what is trending this morning. First up, we have the new Colts head coach, Shane Steichen. He met the team. He laid out his plan for winning and they are three points. (laughs) Score more points than the other team. Yeah, first of all, win. Uh, No, he said his, his objectives are one character, 
two, preparedness, and three, consistency. How's everyone feeling? Good? Yes, sir. Welcome back, man. I'm fired up to be here. All right, let's talk about building the culture here. Character is really important to me, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. That ain't hard, all right? And a lot of people in this room have been through some adversity to get here, right? It ain't easy sitting in the chairs you're sitting in. So make sure we're doing everything we can to do it the right way. So we gotta have high character people in this room and I believe we have that. I believe we have that. And number two is the preparation piece, right? I truly believe this. The separation in this league is in the preparation. How we prepare, all right, Monday through Saturday is ultimately gonna dictate how we play on Sunday. That is a fact. And then number three is consistency. We gotta be consistent with our message. Every single thing we do, we do it with a sense of purpose and we do it with a sense of urgency, right? And we gotta hold each other accountable. It's player to player, coach to coach, player to coach, all of that, right? Because it ain't about me. I love a couple things about this guy. One is he is fast talker guy. Mm -hmm. Like there is no, you know, it's like you say something, pause, Next thing, he is a run-on sentence guy. Yeah, he is getting. He's going to cram as many things as possible in as as few uh, as little a time as possible. Also, if you got to tell grown ass men, which are the National Football League, those things, like if they need if they need to know those things. Your franchise is in bigger trouble than I thought, Rob. I think you need character. <laughs> He's, he's prepared and consistent. Yeah. Uh, to your first point about how he's fast talker guy, that will make it difficult for broadcasters to edit him with good, concise sound bites. And that reminds me a lot of Ron DeSantis because he is the same way. When I was getting the clip, I was trying to find where's the good place to yeah. end it because he doesn't really ever take a breath. And yeah. That's a good Pause. Nope, he just kept on going. So you're absolutely correct on that. Also trending this morning is this BBC reporter. His name is James Clayton. He showed up without an appointment, demanded an interview with Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon gave him one. What do, you, what do you mean he showed up and demanded an interview? Just showed up, said, I'm here with the BBC. I want to speak to Elon Musk. And Elon was like, all you right. You can do that? Well, apparently this guy could. So Elon gave him the interview and then proceeds to trash the guy, saying that the reporter was totally unprepared. The reporter was saying that Twitter hate speech has increased since Elon took over. And Elon said, well, give me some examples. And the reporter could not. So Elon said, well, you're lying. Yes, then you must have at some point seen that you for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right. And you I, can't I, give us and, more. And, and, and I'm saying... I, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- <laughs> content, not even one tweet. And yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well... That's a false. No, what I claimed... What? No, no. So don't show up to Elon and demand an interview and be unprepared. Back to the Colts coach, be prepared, right? Finally trending this morning, the website Insider has made a list of the worst tourist traps in each state. And of course, we have one here in Indiana. Any guesses? It is the NCAA Hall of Champions in Indianapolis. Now, I've never been. Have you been? No. Have you been, Kevin? Yeah, I've been once or twice before when I was younger. Good experience? I I thought it was pretty neat. Okay. Do you have to pay to get in? 
That I I don't really remember don't actually. Recall. I just remember not running was... a charity over there, Casey. Come on, <laughs> not a soup a, uh... kitchen. Not the NCAA soup kitchen. <laughs> well, apparently this website thinks it's not worth the money if you do have to pay. It's nine twenty six with Kendall and Casey. When we come back, mm-hmm. you may remember yesterday, Casey. We spent quite a bit of time on our just esteemed intellectual super giant Mensa member high IQ society Senate Republicans yeah. who told. Uh, seven plus million people to eat dirt when it comes to property taxes the other day. So let's find out exactly what happened, why it happened, and where we go from here. A guy who spent 30 years in the Indiana Senate knows a bunch of these jokers. Uh, Jim Merritt will join us. We'll figure it out. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And who better Casey to talk with us about the Indiana Senate Republicans telling society to kick rocks when it comes to property taxes than our old friend, former Indiana State Senator Jim Merritt. How are you? Good morning. Aren't you embarrassed to even say I was in the Indiana Senate with the behavior of these Senate Republicans? Aren't you mortified? They have to do a two-year budget, and that's all they have to do this year. I mean, that, are you surprised? And that's all they are doing. That's all the. That's all they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's are, it. There has to be part of you that's very. We talked about this at, at length, and we have you on each week. And but there has to be part of you that's surprised to go. Really? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Even that lame ass house bill that did next to nothing. At least they did something. And you guys are doing nothing. I just hope they accomplish something about mental health. That that's all I want in well, a two-year budget. Well, I'm going to need it if they don't do anything <laughs> property taxes. <laughs> We are all suffering. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a year, and uh, we talked about on our podcast. Statehouse Avenue. Yes. Sunday uh, mornings on WIBC. Exactly. And uh, about the circuit breaker, Casey, Mm -hmm. where, you know, if in a circuit breaker in your your home, if something goes wrong, it it will flip. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we've been talking about this property tax explosion coming. Uh, and and you would hope that they would have created a circuit breaker this year where, you know, we've done this before with tax cuts where they just send a check out. Uh, it, that would be the perfect way where you'd have a home t- homestead tax credit or something or, or some sort of check to cushion the blow. Well, you know, it's a lot like travel. Right now, coming out of the pandemic, there's a rage out there. People are unhappy. We're talking to people driving into work today. And when you stop at a stoplight, I don't know about you, but I don't want to look at the guy next to me because you just don't know if he's having a bad day or not. Well, this is going to be your neighbor. Mm-hmm. When you go home, the legislature is going to go home and your neighbor has gotten a very bad, very expensive tax bill. There's a rage coming out of the pandemic. And I hope it's, I hope it's not as bad as that. But People are going to be going to the gym. They're going to church. They're going to the grocery, and people are going to stop the legislators and ask them what they did about it, and they're not going to be able to say anything. Jim yeah. Merritt's our guest, former state uh, senator. Now uh, we're talking about the republic current senators doing nothing on property taxes. Let's talk about the strategy behind the scenes because you were in all these meetings all these years. How did they get to know? I mean, some guy, Travis Holden, just didn't come out and arbitrarily go, nah, we're not doing that. There had to be a collective voice and effort. I mean, Rod Bray had to be involved in this. I mean, just a group of people saying, yeah, we know everybody's hurting, but 
We're not doing that. Well, it, it's it's kind of difficult. But way back when I broke in, it was uh, the the fifty member Senate was twenty six twenty four Republican Democrat. That all Republicans had to be on the same team on the same wavelength with twenty six votes because she had to pass bills. She had to pass a budget with a supermajority. There's a lot of personality in that caucus. There's a lot of different ideas. There's a lot of different egos. And and obviously, you've got to be on the same team, and you've got to be on the same wavelength. But that wavelength has a circuit breaker going on right now. And right now, it's shut off. And they're just trying to get to the end line and get the budget through. And right now, more than likely, uh, something like property tax relief is falling because you had to be working on this for at least since last special session last August, and it just hasn't happened. They'll look at the whole thing over a couple of years, but um, that's kind of them. Yes, and, and right now is the pivotal time because you've got a budget, you've got a surplus, you can cushion the blow, and they're not doing it. What about Travis Holden uh, proposing this thirty-four page amendment? Like, is is he totally not in touch? With reality, his constituents, the bills that they're getting, does he just like not know, not care, not want to put in the effort? What's the deal? Well, they're looking at the they're looking at the broad uh, landscape of taxation, and we're talking about one piece of it. And uh, th- there's no consensus right now in that caucus of what they should do about the property bill tax bills, and also uh, mechanically, legislatively, they can't do anything right now. They, they they had their chance for the last year to put a committee together to get consensus, and they didn't do it. Uh, our esteemed friend, the moron, I mean, the state rep from Seymour, made it very clear earlier this year that they weren't <laughs> going, they knew what was going on, and they weren't going to just do something because they didn't want me taking a victory lap. That's well, not, sick, right? I mean, that's some sick, twisted, demented stuff that you know people are hurting and you're not going to do something because you don't want the radio guy getting credit. Well, also there's an added pressure of local governments who are getting a windfall, and you've got you've got schools getting a windfall, and they and and those are constituencies that they 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 really didn't take the year to talk to them to say, you know, uh, you can get a percentage increase, but what is going to happen uh, is is just. It's it's hard to swallow, and they just didn't plan it. Do they have, they being the lawmakers, do they have any idea what the actual situation of local governments are? Because the argument uh, from people is, well, how would you fund the local governments if you do anything with property taxes? When I look at Brownsburg, and they have something like close to, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's nearing $100 million in athletic facility renovations going on, you're going to tell me that a local government might be suffering if the grandma who got a 50% tax increase has some form of help? Get out of here. Do these guys even know what's going on locally? They're, they always look at the macro, what 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 they have in the way of the budget, two-year budget. They, they the, the, the pressure from the locals, that being schools or local government, is so is so immense, they, they feel like they have to keep a balance. And uh, and and but we've done this before when there's been a tax cut. They they send a check. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state government sends a check. This could have been done, but they can't do it now. It's too late. Jim Merritt, I guess, thirty years in the Indiana Senate. We're talking about many of your, I guess, your former colleagues now. Yes, uh, doing uh-huh. nothing on property taxes. The reality is, 
and I know this will pain you to acknowledge as one of the most loyal Republicans who ever did live, but as long as there are these super majorities, people keep asking, what should we do? Who should we call? call the time for calling and tweeting and writing is over. They don't care. The, you will only fix this when the Republicans start losing elections because they don't fear the people. Yeah, that's a, that's a certain point, but as well as when you have this issue that's going to be so enormous. That is enormous, Casey. Mm-hmm. It's right with us. We've we've heard uh, we've heard circumstantial evidence that this is happening. Uh, it, you need uh, the governor to lead. You need somebody that's going to lead the uh, with the torch. What governor it, leading? Huh? What? It, his huh? seat is vacant. <laughs> you need somebody that is actually. I wish it was vacant. It, 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 it's it, it's it, it should have been in the governor's state of the state address. And right now that that did not happen this year. They're talking a lot about mental health legislation, which is great, but but uh, you needed somebody to say. 150 members of the General Assembly, this is what we need. This is I'm representing the 6.6 million Hoosiers as a total. This is what we need, and it didn't happen. Yeah, well, he said that it wasn't on his agenda. Isn't it up to him to put it on his agenda? Well, and, and uh, you've got to be... You've got to understand what's going on in the grassroots. And uh, you, you, you've got to have the guts to offend local government you have that the guts to offend the schools and and you you just have to carry the torch that this is important and and the legislature will follow that and we know the relationship between the this legislature and, and this governor has been terrible and so with that you have chaos and that's what you're talking about now, now. why do you say it's been terrible i mean i know why we think it's terrible but why do you say that well just ever since the the pandemic when you have 31 or more executive orders going on and and he's in the and governor holcomb is leading by and governing by executive order which a legislature disdains Mm -hmm. um that tends to put a little rock in the eye not a cinder but a rock in your eye and and thus the relationship between the legislature they can say anything they want to but the leaders and the legislature as a whole has a terrible relationship with the governor. And and, and it goes down to the governor, uh, the governor's office, not working with legislators on, on, typic, on typical bills. And, and when they get, uh, I saw a, a media report that the governor signed 16 bills. I was really surprised by that. I was surprised that some of the more controversial bills he signed this year because um, this governor uh, waits for the bills to get on his desk to be working with working with the legislature, and most governors I served under had somebody that, with the utility committee that I served on that I chaired on working with me to make an acceptable piece of legislation, and I just didn't see that in this this, this governor. Uh, before I let you go, you were of course at the very core of that that property tax cap legislation in 2008. I did, and did, I'm proud of it. Yeah, it. Well, and you should be, other than the fact that you raised a sales tax. Yes, I did. That, so mm-hmm. you didn't really cut User tax. Fee. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> the, did you ever think you'd see a time where a tax issue was in the was right there in front of the Indiana Republican Party that would benefit millions of people, and they would just go, nah, we're not doing that? Yeah, I'm very surprised that this has occurred, uh, because we're all political, and we're all political animals. We, we understand that, and and I, they will get a surprise when they go home. 
Casey, that is Jim Merritt, one of the finest people who has ever lived. He has lost many friends because of me, and yet he does not care. Find him on Twitter, at Jim underscore Merritt. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Casey, take us to break. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hey, Rob. Yes, Casey. Imagine if you, you, Rob Kendall, could get a 35% bonus when you invest your money. Sure. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, if you invest $100,000, you get a $35,000 bonus. And if you invest $200,000, you get a $70,000 bonus. Sound good? Oh, that sounds wonderful. Okay. Well, you can learn more about how you can get a 35% bonus from Bill Demery, your retirement guy. Yes, you know us. We're Kendall and Casey, and we believe in Bill so much we became clients too mm-hmm. and not only will you get a 35 percent bonus you'll sleep well at night knowing your money is backed by an a-plus insurance company that's been in business for 140 years and has two and a half trillion in assets to learn how you could get your 35 percent bonus call 317-932-9912 that's 317-932-9912 whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. There's something happening here. 947 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Bud Light is in so much trouble. Yeah, they were worth $132 billion on March 31st. <laughs> and now, yesterday, their share price dipped to $64.96. What was it? What was it again? They were worth $132 billion, but their share, it dropped to $64.96, wiping $3 billion from the company's value. All because some stuff. Stupid, woke, ridiculous person in the in marketing mm-hmm. decided that she was going to stand on some political high horse. And again, we talked about this before. She's getting the blame, and she should. Although it looks like everybody but her got fired, which is wild. But then again, somebody above her had to have signed off on this. Brad, Brad and I were talking about this the other day when when you were out uh, with your colonoscopy. Yeah, uh, and it was, somebody above her had to sign off on this. There's no way you do a con. What any reasonable person would say, this will be a highly controversial marketing plan. And you just give somebody carte blanche to do that. Yeah. Well, she says she was given a mandate to do it. She's a vice president. Yeah, but you know, and, and we had this story for later in the segment, but I wanted to tell this story from my work the other day. Um, there's photos now of her because she was attacking the frat bro culture and we're going to change this fuddy-duddy stale beer. Well, then there's all these photos of this woman living the frat bro life from when she was in college. So, yeah. you know, hypocrite much? Yeah, uh, definitely. And now uh, Dylan Mulvaney is coming out and he's saying that people just don't understand him. No, we understand you. You're a highly fraudulent individual. You're a man who dresses up as a woman and you're laughing all the way to the bank as stupid woke people give you money and you don't care what you destru- destruct or destroy in the in the process. No, we're we, we understand. Yeah. So what happened with work? So two things I wanted to share about how much trouble Bud Light is in. So a uh, prominent restaurant owner in central Indiana, uh, very, very high profile 
establishment. Many, many people listening to us have, I guarantee, eaten and enjoyed food and beverage there over the years. Again, I will not name this person because you know the rule, Casey. I will not allow any of my friends or people who enjoy this show to uh, be besmirched or smeared <laughs> or have their business ruined. For because association they, with you. But you, Casey, you have no idea the level of people who listen to this show. Did you know we're number one? in the Yes, I, I do you know? know we're um, number one. He wrote me the other day and he said, we normally sell four cases of Bud Light a week. So we normally go through four cases of Bud Light a week. He said this was through Tuesday. So from Monday to Tuesday. So what would that be? That would be nine days. They had sold 10, 10 Bud Lights. 10 beers. 10 beers. Not 10 cases, 10 beers. They normally sell four cases a week. And at, in, in what are those, nine days, eight days, whatever, it had been... 10 beers. I'm just curious if they're just going to raise their price by 1% to cover their loss. I don't think you can do it. I, I think it's too ingrained in people now. Um, and here is another example. So as you know, because thanks to inflation and the Republicans raising the property taxes and just the cost of everything and the highest gas, ta- one of the highest gas taxes in the state, um, I have uh, decided to take on another part-time job to, to uh pay my bills and provide for my family because that's what a man does and uh while i again will not uh uh out the outlet by which i work i do get recognized there all the time including yesterday and if asked i will confirm it as me and if people want to talk the politics which they do at that point i'm willing to do that but i operate in relative anonymity there unless people recognize me uh we serve alcohol at this venue and I'm basically going to out what I do here and that's fine most people have caught on by now but at this venue there is a cart that operates around the premises <laughs> right around the ninth turn so- <laughs> <laughs> selling beer to people who may be patronizing the business mm-hmm. and it is obviously a big way in which this business will make money and the woman who operates this I'm not going to call it a beverage cart but a beverage cart mm-hmm. um we do an alcohol count to ensure what comes out comes in and what's been sold and you keep track of all these sort of things and yesterday she sold zero and i mean literally zero bud lights yeah and she was selling so many of the other beers that she kept having to come back in and they have ne- obviously like never seen this before. Bud Light was previously a you the know number one. Pr- a premier domestic mm-hmm. in terms of domestic affordable beers that people were buying, and they sold absolutely zero yesterday. What did, what are people buying instead? Uh, it's a variety of things. Uh, I think there were just I, Miller Light. I think there were quite a few Miller Lights that were sold. I think uh, maybe there were some Coors Lights in there as well. I mean, people are just opting for. Something else. Alternatives. So, you know, some craft beers have now um, expanded in purchase price. And sometimes people are just going for hard alcohol. Yeah, just skip the Bud Light altogether. Upgraded Points did a survey in the state of Indiana to find out what the number one beer choice was among Hoosiers. Yeah. And Bush was on the list. Bud Light, also on the list. Budweiser, Miller Light, and Coors Light all have a sizable fan base. But they found that Blue Moon beer was the number one choice in indiana in indiana however this survey was done before all of this dylan mulvaney stuff started so i'm really curious as to 
where Bud Light stands now on the list. Well, and, and, and I heard Tony talking about this yesterday, and I've heard other people say this too, that, oh, it's too soon. You don't know. This might blow over. This might uh, this might be great free publicity for, for Bud Light because look at all the advertising they're, they're getting. Um, I cannot disagree with that more because once people leave the product, let's face it, if we're if you're a beer connoisseur, all the light beer is the same crap, right? You just get used to drinking. Hey, I hey, I liked Bud Light. I drank Budweiser for years. Now it's now it's Bud Light. Well, you can go to something else. There's not a marked difference between you know, Coors Light, Miller Light, the, the majority of light beers. So I understand when you say, well, you don't want to jump the gun on this because, you know, the pattern could come back. People could come back without some big mea culpa by Bud Light. Once you get and you know this, Casey, because you've been in radio for years, which is the advertising world, which is how you get people to buy products. Once people get in a buying pattern, it takes something very big to get them out of the buying pattern. In this case, the big thing was Bud Light's just egregious behavior. And if you go somewhere else and it's fine. This is not something you're going to forget why you left. Why go back on? Now, I saw an article yesterday, and it was from media executives saying that this boycott of Bud Light has legs. And this one may be sticking. So you're right. Anheuser-Busch could be in trouble. InBev is the parent company. And, of course, they're one of the companies that is involved with BlackRock, BlackRock Huge Hedge Fund. And 7% of BlackRock's portfolio is InBev. Yeah, and we've talked about this fiduciary responsibility these companies have to do what's right for their stockholders rather than their political ideology. And this is a this is a great example. All right, Casey, when we come back, it's yeah. tax season. Taxes are coming due. We're going to talk to a guy who tried to pay his taxes in cash, and it was a total nightmare. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Take you away, we better stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going on. Stop.